0: Today's episode is brought to you by Creative Bug. Stop the endless scroll through Netflix and start a new creative practice instead with Creative Bug. Creative Bug is an online streaming service with thousands of art and craft classes taught by industry-leading artists and makers. Learn to paint, knit, sew, bake, and more, all from the comfort of your own home. From the avid finger painter to the experienced sewist, all ages and skill levels are welcome to watch. Use code CRAFT21 at checkout to get your first two months free at creativebug.com. Thank you so much, Creative Bug. Welcome to episode 186 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about building a business in scrapbooking and photography with my guest, Azari Jarrett. Azari is a photographer and designer who is inspired by simple everyday moments. You can usually find her chasing natural light with one too many film cameras. She enjoys a good morning run, a daily cup of coffee, and evenings on the beach. She lives with her husband and three daughters on the North Carolina coast. Azari Jarrett, welcome. Thanks for having me, Abby. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to talk with you. So um, I would love if we could kind of um, walk things back a little bit and talk about um, where you grew up and a little bit about your household when you were a kid. Um, (laughs) I understand you grew up in Louisiana.
1: I did. I did. I was... um born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana. All of my family, um, or most of my family is currently still in Louisiana. Um, Only child, but my dad uh, is one of 13. So I grew up with a lot of cousins. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I miss, I miss uh, my family so much, so much. My mom was always very creative growing up. Um, and she always had a variety of creative businesses. I, I can't, I can't remember a time when she wasn't, um, selling jewelry or, um, whenever I, I specifically remember the moment when she started scrapbooking. Um, she always painted, um, she always had like a side business and she definitely influenced me, um, and I, I can't really say I realized it at the time, but just seeing her, she held down a full-time job as well as um, pursue all of her creative interests. And uh, and still to this day, she does. And we have different creative interests, but I find that I'm about five years behind her <laughs> so everything <laughs> she does. I encourage her to uh, say for me, because eventually um, I'll get to it.
0: So was she at all interested in photography or was that anything that you did as a kid or no? No, no, no. she
1: was. No, she was not into photography that I remember. Um, She definitely took a lot of pictures of me growing up. So I have that uh, 35 millimeter film and Polaroids. Um, But I wouldn't say that was one of her interests. Um, She uh, is definitely into mixed media painting, um, art journaling, junk journals as she calls it, um, perfume, jewelry, jewelry making. <laughs> she's probably done it all. Uh that's so I'm sure cool. She's smiling right now.
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Um, yeah, photography came into play for me um probably a little later than most, and um it was the birth of my first daughter. And um I, I specifically remember the moment when um, I hired a photographer to come to our home to take her newborn photos. And uh, it sort of grew from there. I just realized, wow, I can do this. Right. <laughs> I need anybody else to do it. Um, and that's when I, I bought my first digital SLR. And then from then, um, never looked back. Um, I did... Um, I did start this practice of um and we can talk about this later. I've I've journaled. I've had a journal since I was 8 and I took pictures of myself for my birthday, sort of like a self a selfie maybe before they were a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh but that was that was probably my only interest growing up with photography.
0: So you've kept a journal since you were a kid it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it um I always
1: thought, uh, you know, documenting scrapbooking came to me later on in life. But now that I look back, um, I see the signs. <laughs> I um, I kept a journal since I was eight years old, um, and that has helped me tremendously with raising three girls because – um, at times I don't know what they're thinking or how could they do this? Or one minute they're up, one minute they're down. And then I go back to sixth grade and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> i was going through the same thing. So it helps me, um, to have that perspective, um, with raising my own daughters. And, yeah. uh, I recently, when I was visiting home, found, um, like a, a ticket stub I had kept, from like a Sesame street performance, um, from like, uh, 1988, just like, why would I have kept that? Anyway, I keep stuff like that now, but I see the signs of how I was always, um, collecting things and mementos and bringing them together, um, and stickers, uh, you know, all, all my journals are filled with stickers. And just right now I just find it, um, almost like a gift to myself that I can go back and see what I was thinking and feeling at major shifts and moments of my life.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's so amazing.
1: Yeah. I, uh, unfortunately, my daughters don't see the gift in that yet. <laughs> so hopefully one day they'll, they'll look back at these and, and realize that I'm am a lot like them. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's amazing. So, um, what did you think for yourself? You wanted to do as far as a career. I mean, what did you, what were you interested in studying, and what were you drawn to when you were in high school, and then going off to college? Um, so that's so interesting. You ask, so it's kind of a,
1: a complete circle. <laughs> um, I remember in high school, I was an athlete. So I ran cross country, I played basketball and I ran track. So I definitely wanted to do something like in sports medicine. It was more, I went to college and I always loved computers. I always, uh, had an interest. And in, this was again, instilled in it from, instilled from my mom of, um, she always had the latest electronics and the latest computers. Um, and so I let that guide me when I was choosing a major in college. Uh, so I actually, um, Majored in computer science for my undergrad and went on to get a master's in computer science um, with a concentration in human-computer interaction. So interested in how people use software. Um, Worked uh, full time in the software industry. um, Gosh, how maybe 10 years. um, And uh, just... I could hold down full-time jobs with two kids. The birth of my third. That put it over the top.
0: <laughs> and three, As you know, a I'm person like, with three kids, I'm like, that third one. It's just like, okay. One, uh,
1: yeah, definitely. I admit wow, defeat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just not <laughs> sleeping through the night, uh, nursing, nursing. Um, having second grade spelling words and
0: you wake up in the morning and then they're they're raring to go and you're like what absolutely
1: absolutely um so I switched to part-time um probably when my youngest was six months and part-time being I left at two o'clock and um, I'm sure a lot of women uh, women understand this and uh I fought so hard to to get this that my manager was like um well we haven't done this before. So I internally felt I had something to prove. Um, And so I honestly feel like they got full time work out of me for part time um, because I left at two, but I worked through lunch um, and I was home by the time my oldest got off the bus. But if I stopped at the grocery store, you know, it was four o'clock and I might as well have stayed done a full day at work anyway. Um, (laughs) um, and so after that, um, I decided, uh, after many conversations with my husband to kind of start my own business, um, and, and see if I could give, um, this interest a go. And it also, so I did that for maybe a year or two, which, um, then we decided to move as a family to North Carolina, to the coast. And, um, and that's when I really pursued it full time.
0: You had been living in Atlanta, is that right? Yeah. Prior to. And so, okay. And so was that like a lifestyle switch that was also going to help with financially just be or just generally be a little bit more relaxed and I don't know, just a, di- a little bit of a different lifestyle moving to the coast? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, we had, uh, my husband had a job opportunity that came up um, on the North Carolina coast. And um, we always wanted to live near the water, but we always living in Atlanta, um, we always thought that would be Florida. And so it's just ironic um, that we would end up in North Carolina. So we're about six hours east of Atlanta. Um, and definitely a lifestyle change. Um, my husband and I, um, both grew up in small towns, so we were not, it wasn't a shock to us <laughs> because we had also, we had, we've lived in big cities. Um, so we had kind of gotten that out of our systems and, um, and yeah, just, uh, our quality of life definitely changed, uh, slower pace of life, um, I didn't have to leave an hour before I needed to be somewhere. Um, so definitely, but we missed our friends and family. That was the biggest adjustment. Um, and then moving further away from my my parents was um, yeah a little bit uh, a little bit hard. And also um, moving three girls, I will say, when kids at the ages that they were, I think they were. Um, nine or i think my oldest was 10 uh 6 and 3 um so that was tough yeah um, but yeah. now they're over the hump um we've been here 4 years now right and so
0: it's definitely home now yeah yeah exactly okay all right and so um it sounds like um you maybe while was it while you were um working this job that was pretty sounds like pretty intense Um, that you kind of came to, um, photography with your, with the birth of your first child. So talk a little bit about that discovery for you. You had this artistic upbringing, um, and you, um, you found photography. And so, so what was that like for you when you found it? Um, yeah, yeah. so,
1: um, I I wasn't, um, officially diagnosed, but I think I definitely had postpartum depression after my first, the birth of my first, and I was just looking for a creative outlet. My world had completely flipped upside down. Um, and I was just looking for a way, um, to kind of find my way back to myself, if that makes sense. Um, and, um, things I was interested in, I no longer had an interest in, like I couldn't watch the news the same way, just having a baby, it changed everything for me. So having the camera and being able to document my new life and my new normal, um, was, was life changing. And, um, I think those were, it was back in the days when Flickr, um, oh, yeah. was really popular. Sure. And so I joined, um, a, a, a lot of different groups, um, with people who had similar interests as me. And so it kind of took off from there. Um, and then, um, four years later with the birth of my second daughter, I, as with everything I needed to ebb and flow, I needed to bend something needed to change because again, now I was different because I had two little girls now. And, um, before then I had Spending a lot of time post processing my digital images to look like film because I wanted that raw, authentic look. And it came to a point where I was like, Azari, why don't you just shoot with film and you can cut out that middle step? And um, it coincided with a move to Pittsburgh. Um, and I remember, so here I am in Pittsburgh with a four year old and a newborn, and I get on eBay and I order. A film camera and I remember it was a pentax K1000 maybe 35 bucks um, and it came in and I, I thought I had loaded it correctly and took my time and shot like 36 frames and it came back blank ah, oh no <laughs> and finally you know I had to laugh at myself because finally I was I was learning something new. Um, and and film helped me to just stop and not take, you know, 50 photos of the same thing, but to just stop, compose the image, think about my settings, and then click the shutter, um, which changed the game for me. And And it's funny because having a manual film camera helped me to learn to shoot manual in my digital camera. Um, just because I was finally learning uh, photography and what settings meant exposure and ISO and um, film speed. And so I finally found like, or felt like I had something that spoke to me.
0: Because there was like consequences or something like that from the choices. Yeah, because when pixels are free, right? So it's like, you can just shoot and shoot and shoot. And it's almost like inconsequential sort of.
1: Absolutely. It it just became of let me, you know, get this same thing 20 or 30 times and pick the best one. Um, yeah, I, I equate it to like, you know, it's like you have boom, 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 boom. Of what you wanted to capture. And I think... Um, and so, so from there, it kind of it kind of went to instant photography. So then I started um, getting Polaroids um, and medium format cameras. I mean, I I was just open to an entire world um, where I didn't have like I don't know a hundred pictures, but I had fifteen really good ones. Um, and I, the thing that film embodies for me is the mood. I feel like, um, a lot of people can see a beautiful scene or something catches their eye and then they take a picture of that. And I'm more interested in how I'm feeling or what this scene is saying to me or the mood. And I feel like film accurately captures that for me. Yeah. Um. I can look back and and see exactly what I was feeling, what I was thinking in that image, um, and just the I'm um, w- just always been drawn to shadows and light, and the way it's captured on film. I feel is uh, like no other.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So then, so now you've got all these prints and all these, you know, beautiful um, expressions of your thoughts and feelings in prints. And, um, and then with the birth of your third child, and then you you're, you're leaving your job. um, And, and so is that how you found memory keeping or scrapbooking? and, And how, what was the first kind of Exposure to that was there a specific person's uh, work, or how did you come to to sort of decide that this is what you wanted to do with these? Yeah, so
1: um, so during that time, I was actually uh, started selling photos on Etsy and okay. my own. Um, so you were selling, yeah, so like then. prints.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, right. So I was selling prints at that time, um, and I think I did some calendars. At that time. And also, I worked in design, so I started designing um, prints and and things like that. Um, With the birth of my third daughter, I wanted to uh, find a way to document that pregnancy. It was a surprise pregnancy. Um, So I wanted something different from a normal baby book. Um, I didn't want all the cutesy things like that because at the moment I wasn't feeling that way. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted something raw. And I wanted something that would capture my feelings. And um, gosh, I think I came across um, Elise
0: Cripe. Yeah, she's um, been a guest on this podcast. Yeah. 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 And And her work is so lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's very like black and white. It's definitely not maybe what someone would think of, I guess, when they think of scrapbooking or something, if you I don't know what the sort of stereotypical image, I guess, in some people's minds might be.
1: Yeah, yep, that's exactly very modern. Yeah, yeah, I followed her initially just for her creative work. Um, But then at the time, she was doing project life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I was like, wow, this is a way I can combine my photos and my words. And I think, and and I brought them together um, during that pregnancy. And um, I guess I haven't looked back since um, because it was a way for me to document how I was feeling, what I was going through, as well as my current life, but not having, you know, puffy stickers and <laughs> right. Uh, Things like that of things you traditionally look for. um, I've always kind of weighed heavily more on the photos. Um, And so, um, yeah, after, you know, just being able to slip pictures and cards into uh, the pockets really spoke to me.
0: I want to take a minute now to hear from our sponsor, Creative Bug, and the general manager at Creative Bug, Leanna Alday. I'm
2: Leanna Alday, and I'm the general manager of Creative Bug. And tell us a little
0: bit about Creative Bug. What is it all about?
2: Creative Bug is a beautiful online platform full of thousands of art and craft classes, and that's everything, including painting, drawing, knitting, crochet, dyeing, weaving, sewing, quilting, pretty much if you can craft it, we have made a class for it.
0: Fantastic. And how does it work as far as like signing up and subscribing?
2: It's really, really easy. We like to do free trials so people can come in and check it out before they decide if they want to become a member. And we do this so that you can get in there and really take a good look around. Obviously, you're not going to be able to watch all 1,500 classes on our site uh, within a two month free trial. Um, So the idea is that you'll find a place where you want to dive in and take a class maybe you'll continue on that journey and continue taking more classes in that area or you can dance around and try out a whole bunch of different things but it's meant to provide you with ongoing daily inspiration forever that's fantastic
0: and what are some of your favorite classes that you would recommend to people who maybe are new to creative bug and haven't given any classes a try yet
2: Ooh, that's a great question abby I think that my favorite classes have always been the daily practices. Um, I actually really like the daily creativity practices because that's what I struggle with the most is kind of finding that daily dose of inspiration. You know, you always feel so much better about your life and the state of the world when you find five, 10 minutes to be creative every day.
0: Where can people go if they want to learn more? And I know you have a special offer to um, to offer to podcast listeners.
2: Yes. I recommend going to creativebug.com if you want to find out more. Uh, We have lots of free classes you can check out.
0: So, um, So where can people go if they want to learn more? And I think you have a special offer for our podcast
2: listeners. We sure do. So what you want to do is go to creativebug.com. You can take a look around. You can watch a bunch of free classes and check out the overviews of a lot of other classes. And if you want to sign up for a free trial, we have a special offer two months free. And what you're going to do is use code CRAFT21 at checkout.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Leanna. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, Creative Bug, and now back to my conversation with Azari. And, so, can you talk a little bit about what is Project Life, just for listeners who maybe they've heard Project Life, they've heard about it, but aren't super familiar with how it works? Like, what is Project Life, and and what is the system?
1: Right. So, Project Life is. Um... I guess you can call a scrapbooking system where um, there are um, sort of like photo sleeves and they are separated into four by six or three by four, five by seven. You can find different variations. And so the idea is simple that you just print out photos of a certain size and you have journaling cards. So you can slip in your photos, slip in your journaling cards and you have a layout. Um, Any any and everything else is optional. Um, as far as if you want to add stickers or, um, I mean, people have gotten really, um, creative in embellishments. Um, some people just do digital layouts. So you don't even have to have the physical products anymore. Um, and so it's a way, I I would say it's a way to document, um, your photos and your thoughts in a system that is clean and easy and streamlined. Um,
0: Because it's like um, broken down almost for you. So you're like, here's a little card. You can write your thought on this card, slip it into this pocket. That piece is done. Here's a pocket that's sized appropriately for a photo. You can just yes. slip your photo right in. That piece is done. And it builds it out from there. And so it makes it feel, like, doable. And if you're not great at layout, you know, you don't need yeah. to worry <laughs> about that. Right. You can Only just put the pieces together and it looks really good. The composition's going to come together um, page after page. And so... It's very appealing. I feel like for those reasons, and for many other reasons as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think um, I've been doing this for about seven years in some capacity. Um, haven't finished every year, but um, I don't know. It it speaks to me, and um, I love the way I can tell my story.
0: Yeah, it's uh, also uh, like very flexible. I- yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And since then, I branched off into Traveler's Notebooks and eight and a half by 12 inch
0: albums.
1: um, Kind of the world opens up after that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is wonderful. I mean, that's, that's so cool. Okay. So, so you found this um, way to sort of bring it all together, all of your um, skills and, and passions. And so how did you begin to build this into something that would be public? Because this was very private. I mean, this was your baby and your life and your your feelings, as you mentioned with photography. and I mean you were already selling selling prints on Etsy, so that's public. Um, but sharing your life, um, in a public way on the internet is different from that. Um, so what were the first steps of doing that sort of, was it, was it a blog? Yeah. Was it Instagram or how did this come oh, together? Gosh. Yeah. I think that that's a whole nother conversation.
1: <laughs> <I can laughs> probably talk an hour. I, cause I, I feel strongly about that because I feel like uh, scrapbooking, documenting, documenting journaling is uh, very private, um, and, uh, whenever you open up yourself, whenever you put anything on the internet, um, it sort of becomes public. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like to think, okay, who is the person I would not want to read this? And are you okay with them reading it? And if the answer is yes, then I publish it. If the answer is no, then I, I keep that to myself. And I, I honestly believe not everything has to be published. Not everything has to be shared, um, But I I go back and forth with privacy and um, just opening myself up. I I remember like an early spread that I did um, whenever I love the layout of this spread. And I just personally, when I see other people's layouts online, on Instagram, on blogs, I never zoom in to read their journaling because I feel like (laughs) that's private. Personal, But yeah. not everybody is like that. And so I remember what, one of the first layouts I posted, um, people were commenting on the story that I told um, versus the layout, which is um, it's sort of like how you present what you want to be consumed and something else was taken from that, um, which was fine. But that opened my eyes very early and made me aware of um This is going out and people are reading your stories. Um, And uh, I go back and forth with that. I go back and forth with that, Um, especially as my girls get older, because a lot of my story is theirs and I don't want to um, share that, Um, which is why most of the things I share now are my personal books and my personal things that are about me because I can control that. Um the first layout I shared was probably in 2013 when I was um pregnant and the year I I had my my third daughter and um you know my feed or my blog were all very photography focused so this was just sharing something that I was interested in sort of a, another creative outlet and it kind of took off um honestly I was surprised at how many people um resonated with my project life spreads. Um, and even today, a lot of people, um, um, I guess, want me to be the spokesperson, I guess, for uh, um, scrapbooking. And I, I I always remind people I, I love photography first. <laughs> That's my first love. And um, creating and documenting, it's always a part of me, but it will never be... Um, it will never be like my only creative activity. Um, But I love to uh, use my photos and stretch my photos and tell different stories with my photos, but always cognizant of um, when I click publish. Because I realize that People can screenshot, people can share, people zoom in. Um, if, it, if it's really uh, private, I will um, kind of mark out things. Um, but, you know, everyone has their personal, their personal viewpoints and what they're comfortable with sharing online. But that's definitely um, I don't have the right answer. That's definitely an issue that um, I grapple with all the time.
0: And so um, how would you describe your style? I know it's photography first. I mean, that seems definitely an enduring aspect of your style. Um, But when it comes to these layouts, um, it obviously people are really attracted to the way that you're doing this. So what would you say – you know, are the qualities that they're looking to you for or,
1: um, yeah, I just, I can describe what I like, which is simple, minimalistic, streamlined. And, um, I would, I would say letting the photo tell the story, um, is what I, I like to do. Um, and also using photos in creative ways, in different ways, adding journaling directly on the photo. I think people are drawn to um, just thinking a different way of thinking about scrapbooking, um, that it doesn't have to be the traditional um, puffy sticker, you know, uh, coral colors. It can be modern. It can be sleek. It can so
0: be a lot of neutral colors in your work. A lot of black. A lot of brown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: A lot of natural. Yeah. Um, you yes. know, just in my studio, I have just like a. Um, I wish I could <laughs> show you here. Just like you know, a wood, a wood desk. I just I'm drawn to natural wood. Um, even I use a, a a dresser as my workspace, and even that is just wood. I just like natural. Um, natural, minimalistic. Sometimes I might use a whiteboard um, whenever I'm uh, styling and, and um, taking photos of layouts. But a lot of the times I just like to take what's on my take the photo of what's on my desk. And um, I'm definitely drawn to
0: natural blacks, again, shadows, light. Um, and did this yeah. lead to some collaborations early on between you? I mean, Were some, I guess, brands or other designers, um, you know, drawn to what you were doing? Did they reach out and say, I want to work with you, I want you to be part of our design team, or I know design teams are a big part of the scrapbooking world, Um, sort of as you were getting going and um, trying to build this into a business, what were some of the things that you kind of did? In the beginning, to kind of get your name out there, and and what what did you try? Um, yeah, I um, uh, so a couple
1: of things. I uh, when I initially started out with my photography, um, I started out um, under my oldest daughter's name, Gabrielle Kai, and that's just because I was um, scared of putting myself out there. And so whenever I got on Instagram or trying to make a name for myself and my work. I switched it over to um, Azari Jarrett because I felt that there is a certain accountability um, whenever I'm putting work out there that has my name on it. Um, and so that, that definitely holds me accountable of this is my work. It has my name on it. So it will always be of utmost quality. Um, I started out on uh, design teams with Paisley Press and, um, And I was on the Project Life design team, gosh, I think 2015, 2016, um, during those times. And um, just, I really, really liked working um, with Liz's designs, with Paisley Press, and just combining her templates with my photos, um, showing people what could be done, Um, gosh, and And I still do living in Photoshop of (laughs) um, (laughs) of kind of how to format photos and print them out. Um, And I think people were definitely, definitely drawn to that. Um, I have um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I have issues with putting dates on creative work. And I think that was the downside for design teams for me.
0: Meaning like a deadline that's imposed by someone else. Correct. Yeah, Yeah,
1: a deadline that's imposed by someone else. And it's something that I found when I was working um, in the software industry as well, when you have project managers constantly telling, asking, you know, how long is it going to take for this design? And that's hard for me to quantify because um, sometimes the creative juices are there and I get it done that day and it may take me a week. It may take me a month, but, um, um, I felt, uh, design teams while they were great and they got my name out there. Um, sometimes they sucked all the creativity out of me cause it became like, um, something for me to do versus an escape. Um, and so what I really wanted to do and what, um, sort of I was trained to do in my background was actually design products myself. Um, but I never had anyone come to me. Um, and it may have been my own, my own, uh, and my own faults of, uh, anyone come to me and say, Hey, can you design this line? Which is what I, I truly wanted. Um, I taught a few classes for big picture classes. Um, which helped me to learn, like, the teaching side of, uh, of the industry. And um, it wasn't until 2020 that I actually started um, designing my own physical products and putting it out myself because I was just tired of waiting. Um, I had done a couple of digital designs, uh, which I sold, and which did well, um, but not until 2020. Did things kind of change, and I stopped waiting for um, a company or a brand to come to me, and just started putting out what I wanted to see.
0: So let's talk about those products because they're really special products, and um, and there was um, they're sort of connected to this article that was that came out as well, right in the New York in the New York Times. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the products. There's um, their stamps and stickers. And so tell us a little bit about them and, and how you came to design them and um, what that process was like for you.
1: Yeah, so I had been um, in the scrapbooking world uh, for about seven years. Um, and uh, I had a few subscriptions to different scrapbooking companies. Um, and I was tired of not having anything that reflected me or my daughters or my family, um, things with like a white hand or, um, cards that say awesome or rad, you know, that's not really something I say in my day to day life. Um, or something as simple as curly hair, brown skin. Um, I just didn't see it. And, um, There's no other reason I can say other than there are no designers that looked like me that were designing for these companies. And I knew um, and I know that I'm not the only one who um, looks like me, who is a scrapbooker and a designer designer. Um, or a project lifer. And so I was like, you know what, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired of not of not being able to document my girl stories with products that are reflective of me. And uh, yeah, so, so that led me to, um, because I had the background, I can design these things. So I put out a stamp set um, with melanin Um, curly haired girl, um, brown skin girl, you're beautiful in every shade, just things that I wanted to see. Um, I have a black lives matter stamp, um, just stickers that were reflective. And that's one of my goals for this year is to come out with more. But, um, my goal there was simply to prove a point that there are more than, um, there are more people out there. Um, black women, brown women, um, who are scrapbookers and who need to be reflected in the products that are put out to, uh, scrapbooking to the scrapbooking community. And I mean, the response to it was great. I mean, I've, I got, um, messages from women who have been scrapbooking for 30 years saying I've waited 30 years for something like this. And, um, and, and, and it's simply because we don't have, we have a lot of, you, you have, you may, you may or you may not have diversity on design teams, which is putting something out there. So combining scrapbooking products with your photos, but you don't have anyone um, or any minority designing these products for these larger scrapbooking companies. And so um, you're never going to get a different product if you have the same people doing the same things because they're never, because we only design from our personal experiences, right? Um, uh, Same thing when podcast guests, uh, panel hosts, if everyone all looks the same, nothing ever changes. And we always talk about the same things and you never consider anything else, but it's almost been like a breath of fresh air. After the New York Times article came out, I heard from people all over the world um, just thanking me for speaking up about um, just the lack of diversity in scrapbooking products. Um, so hopefully that changes.
0: I have so. <laughs> I too. mean,
1: I, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm only one person. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to uh, recreate the wheel here because scrapbooking powerhouses put out products and just it's just me here. So the amount of time I spend designing and manufacturing and taking photos,
0: product photos and fulfilling orders. Um, but you know, I, that ima- I imagine these products sold extremely well for you.
1: Absolutely. They sold completely out, <laughs> um, that I didn't, I didn't, um, plan to make, um, I didn't plan to make, uh, more orders or restocks, but I did because essentially I just wanted people to be able to use that. And every time someone sends me or tags me in a layout, um, with their little brown girl that says beautiful brown girl, you are beautiful in every shade. I mean, that's what it's about. Yes. Um, that's what it's about. And, um, I don't know what to say more (laughs) about that. You know, Kelly Perky, I designed for, I, um, worked for Kelly Perky or I was on her design team and she really, um, when all of this happened, she really reached out to me, um, and made sure I had what I needed to get these products out. Um, she was definitely a support system for me there. And, um, I think she she wholeheartedly agreed that something needs to change. And she was
0: definitely part of seeing that through. That's great to hear. And I think just even knowing the sales volume that you've seen should be a sign to these companies that if that's even what they care about, you know, looking yeah. at their bottom line, yeah, that, you know, exactly. come on now, exactly. it's a time exactly. has come, the time has come. So the time
1: has come. And it's, you know, it, it's past, it's past due. And I find, it's past due. Yeah, you know, the scrapbooking community is a very uh, kind, nurturing community. I feel like um, uh, I I, follow, I also follow a lot of uh, sustainable fashion mm-hmm. just so that um, just trying to pay attention to my own consumption. Um, and I find that that community, they're very cutthroat, <laughs> you know, of calling people out. And um, I find the scrapbooking community, anything you put out or any new endeavor you um, try, I, I feel like that is supported. Um, and that's so to great. say that um, this community isn't ready for it or um, oh, no. I, I just think it's, it's that's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's not a valid it's not a valid excuse um, because I just think you want products that are reflective of the people who are buying those
0: 100 percent. And you, um, I want to get make sure we have time to get to your recommendations, if that's okay. Um, And you um, have been a guest instructor. um, This, I think, it's just since. Is it just since January? Uh, Yes. So I'm a guest
1: instructor for one
0: little word. One little word. So tell us how one little word works. I know it's the 10th anniversary, which is kind of amazing. Um, So yeah, tell us how this works because I think this is such a cool. Um, cool program.
1: Right. So, um, One Little Word is uh, the brainchild of Allie Edwards. And basically, for the past 10 years, she has just led a, a year long workshop where you choose one word to be your guiding word for the year. And um, she um, offers prompts and things for you to do throughout the year just to keep your word. Um, visible in your life um, and as I said before this is the 10th anniversary and so Ali has um, invited I think it's um, I'm not sure seven or eight guest instructors to lead um, to to lead a different month um, with a different topic um, so in past years she has um, led each prompt, each month, but this year there are a lot of different voices, and I'm very excited um, to be a part of it. I will be. Um, I'm not sure how much I
0: should, should say. Yeah, I know. I know you're. My are you month ten or I? I can't, I can't remember month. Yeah, you are. I'm not
1: sure the month, but okay. I, and I'm sure it's obvious, but I will be leading the photography. Prompt.
0: Yeah, I think that. I think that was clear. Somebody had <laughs> guessed it in like the yeah. Instagram comments, I think, so I think yeah. that's out there. I think that
1: uh that uh, probably would not be a surprise. A surprise. <laughs> right. Um, but I will be but each month we are um we are kind of sharing our process uh of our own little word and how we're documenting and um just the community of women um, that are together as well as all the different instructors, um, just being open and raw and honest, I think, um, is so great. I'm so excited to be a part of it this year. Um, and I, I think there's just so much good things to come with such a diverse group of women. So yeah. I'm very excited, um, to explore my word, which is present. Ooh, um, good word. And, um, Basically, I wanted after a crazy year of 2020, I wanted to be present in my life right here, right now Um, and not look back longingly at what was um, and not to look forward at things I can't control, but just to be right here, right now. Um,
0: So I'm excited about exploring that um, this year. Wonderful. And you have a new format. Um, there's a new format for your Project Life album that you've adopted. That's the six by eight. That's kind of um, well, it's almost square. It's like a like a little bit smaller. Yeah, yeah, a little bit smaller. But usually I think last year I
1: did 12 by 12. I've kind of um, I've done 12 by 12. I've done nine by 12. So this is um, this is a This will be a challenge for me, uh, six by eight. And one thing I have found uh, with creativity, when you um, impose limits, you become more creative. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so I'm excited of what that looks like. And also, um, you know, my girls are getting older um, and they don't always want to be included in everything. (laughs) So I find I can kind of tailor it to almost my story. Are the highlights of our family story, but um, not so much of you know when they were younger, their first tooth falling out or taking first steps, um, which is great just my girls are at a different stage and I think I can capture that in a different way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that idea of it becoming more about your story. I mean, it was your story all along, but I agree with you. My kids are also, you know, they're 10, 14 and 16. So I'm also in that same phase. So I can definitely relate to that. And and the changing way documenting has gone. I mean, for me, it's on my blog, but um, I, I definitely relate to that change. And you are enjoying the Marco Polo app. I have heard about Marco Polo, but I have not used it. So how are you using this?
1: Yes. So I was actually introduced to Marco Polo by um, the other guest instructors in the One Little Word forum. So this is how um, Allie and myself and the other guest instructors kind of communicate. We were looking for a way of how can we stay in touch throughout the year outside of the Facebook group. Um, in the class discussion. Um, And I think it was Lucretia that suggested we use the Marco Polo app. And so I never used that and um, downloaded it and love it, love, love it, love it, love it, love it. So basically, the concept is um, that you don't always have time to have a group chat. Of everyone has schedules and busy lives. So Marco Polo allows you just to log on and you uh, record a video to the group, and then everyone can log on whenever they have time and listen to your thoughts, your ideas, um, just a video of you just speaking. Um, and I love that way of communicating. It kind of opens up, um, when you can see someone speaking and, um, you don't have to, you know, we don't have to schedule a specific time, but if I'm, you know, cooking dinner, if I'm creating a lot of times when other women are speaking, I like to create and man, it has changed, uh, the way we are, the way I am vulnerable. Um, because I know having the camera faced on me, I see all these imperfections. um, But just Knowing that it's a trusted group of people and you can just get on there and speak your truth and they can respond when they have a chance. I love that way of communicating. Um, So I just need to get my family to switch over.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it would be great with family. I also think it'd be great with a mastermind group. It just sounds like it would be. absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. really great um, tool, new tool to try. So that's a wonderful recommendation. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, it. Um, I, I'm. I guess I'm surprised that I enjoy that way of communicating so much. Um, yeah, because I do have like um, I communicate with my family with group me and we have group text, but Marco Polo kind of um, it connects you in a different way because yeah. you can see people in their um, in their environment, totally. just speaking their. Truth.
0: Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love all these new tools. But this one is a special, sounds especially good. So well, Azari, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you.
1: Thanks, Abby. Thanks for having me.
0: And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was brought to you by Creative Bug. Get into a creative habit this year with Creative Bug. Subscribe and stream thousands of art and craft classes from your computer, Apple TV, or iOS and Android apps. Whether you're looking to pick up a brand new hobby or perfect a technique like sewing, painting, or drawing, Creative Bug has classes for all ages and skill levels. Plus, this is screen time you can feel good about while staying safe at home. Use code CRAFT21 at checkout to get your first 2 months free at creativebug.com. Thank you so much Creativebug. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with tools, ideas, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.